Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. Oh, God. I don't even want to say it. We're almost at August. And it's even more scary for me because my birthday is August 2nd and I'm turning not 30s anymore. Whoa. I don't even want to say it out loud yet. Yeah. So, like, I have 12 days of my 30s left. Less if you're listening to this when it goes on. I mean, that'll just be like, I don't know, a week or whatever. 40's the new 30. Well, that's what I keep saying. I don't know if it's true, but I keep saying it. I don't know. I feel about the same. I don't know. It's more real now. My brother was just up this weekend, or this past two weeks, basically. So there's been a lot of family stuff and like mortality and parents and all that. So I'm just like, oh, life. I forgot about you. Gwen and I, a little while ago, made our way through the Dick Van Dyke show. That's not at all what I thought you were going to say at the end of that sentence. Wait, this makes sense. Now we're watching That Girl, which is a shockingly good show. Very funny, late 60s, early 70s sitcom. Is it like a Mary Tyler Moore-esque? Kind of, yeah. A girl moves from New York State to Manhattan to be an actress, and it's her (laughs) living in a really big apartment there's shockingly a lot of canon they reference older episodes where she was acting in a commercial or some other character shows up but it's a really funny show but i bring it up thinking about middle age or aging or whatever gwen and i have this running gag that started as actually looking up an actor who we're like oh i recognize that guy who is it and it's somebody from love boat or somebody from mash <laughs> but it'll be like the person who played the manager at a restaurant and gwen will say how old do you think that guy was and this started because i went i don't know 60 yeah and she went 35 Oof. and there was something i don't know what we're doing better now <laughs> but as little ago as the 30s through the 70s maybe even into the 80s grown-ups looked way older what we look like in our 30s or 40s we would have been 15 back in 1935. Yeah. It's so weird. And I don't know if it's because everybody was smoking six packs a day back then. Yeah. Diet had to do something to do with it. Like diet and cigarettes, I think, was a big part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I remember my dad talking to me about his dad's health. Or not health so much, but what he would eat. So he had a full can of sardines at lunch every day or something like that and four hard-boiled eggs i don't know i can't remember the exact numbers but like <laughs> gross well i don't want to say weird stuff but stuff that's in a moderation that's not moderation it's like a little too much every day the farmer's breakfast or whatever you know they talk about where it's just that giant plate of all of the things and and that's like every day yeah. you know and that's one meal and then yeah smoking pack a day whatever and so i'm like not as shocked that his dad died when he was a kid still because you're just it seems like back in the day yeah like, i mean and, and also it's like a, there's a u.s versus canada thing health stuff and whatever I, they're a little more stringent here i think certain oh things. for sure i don't yeah. think our subway has the shoe leather in the bread here i'm not that's sure. why we don't get as good crazy junk food true because there'll be some random chocolate bar or pop tart or cereal that tries to get across the border (laughs) and they look at the ingredients like we can't sell that in a grocery store yeah and it's weird the comparisons especially u.s canada like the ones where it's like quote unquote the same thing but it does not taste the same and it's not made the same i just got a snack box one of my friends got me well two of my friends a couple you know they got me uh, international yums it's called so it's like every month is a different snack box from a different place in the world and they were like talking to Emily, oh, is that a good gift for him? And she's like, are you kidding? You know, it's, <laughs> it's weird snacks. And so the first one came and it was from Thailand. It was interesting because like I'm eating it. We destroyed like, you know, seaweed stuff and all really good. It's all really good. But that made me think I was like, like, it's not like I think any of it's unhealthy or unsafe, but you're just like, I can't read this. I don't know what's yeah. in this. Like, I, I'm trusting that it's all good. There was some stuff that's like chicken flavor or whatever, something like that. And I'm like, I don't think it actually has chicken in it, but I don't think Emily's going to eat that. And like, you sure as hell wouldn't eat that. No, I felt really bad the other 
other day because Gwen and I were going grocery shopping and in our neighborhood is a Korean market. Okay. And never been in. And in Chinatown, which I always think should not be called Chinatown. <laughs> like that seems like it's a loose term. Dumb white people calling it that. <laughs> but there's grocery stores and stuff where I can totally get cool, weird chips and noodles and mm-hmm. sauces and they're vegan. And this Korean place, I felt so bad because we walked in and they were like, hello, and so happy to see us. And I just wanted to get some noodles or something. Everything I picked up, non-dairy ice cream or noodles mm-hmm. or cool looking chips or cereal, everything had shrimp in it. Wow. Everything had shrimp in it. And I'm like, this box of noodles, this must be fine. And it was like, shrimp, shrimp. Oh, this looks good. It's like a peanut snack. Pick it up, shrimp. Everything had shrimp in it. So Man. I couldn't buy anything. I felt bad, but I tried. I don't even eat shrimp and I would be turned off by that. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I wouldn't know what it tastes like, I guess. But then I would know I don't want to eat it. So. Yeah, I don't know if shrimp in the Korean community serves as just kind of like a filler yeah. or they have plenty full of it. So they use it in everything. <laughs> It'd be amazing if the only thing that didn't have shrimp in it was shrimp chips. You're like, well, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, that's sad. And I guess at that point, too, you don't want to just go up to those and be like, okay, here's the thing. I want, yeah. I'm want. i a vegan. I want to get probably anything, pretty anything. much. I just want to help. I want to support you. Yeah, but <laughs> everything seems to have shrimp, and that's fine if that's your thing. I'm not judging. However, as a, yeah. a potential customer, <laughs> I will not be one. So I just imagine going up with like a head of lettuce or like a bunch of carrots <laughs> and the lady going, oh, no, that may contain shrimp. Yeah, you're like, well, thank you for telling me. But having <laughs> yeah. said that, and also, I guess you're just touching tons of stuff in yeah. there because you're just trying to find, you're like, look, I know we're COVID times and everything, but I really just want to buy a snack. I'm sorry that I'm licking all of these boxes. Yeah. But- and then I felt so bad because then walked across the street to Loblaws oh, no. and bought some noodles <laughs> because they did not contain shrimp. I don't know. Those things are like my friend used to live across from uh, Kowloon Market, I think it was. Oh, yeah. And cool place, like lots of great stuff. And he's vegan as well. And so like he had it down. He yeah. knew what everything was. And like I think he could even he could read a lot of the stuff as well because he was into the culture. That was cool. And like once you have an understanding of it and you know where things are and what things are, you know, it's great. But going in blind, you know, and especially when like and I'm not even vegan so that's even five times harder yeah for me i'm just like i'm very into stuff so like something like this snack box is great because i'm like oh cool like i'll try this stuff it's neat you know i like trying new things but if you drop me into a store where i don't know what's going on and i'm not sure what things are and my wife's vegetarian so i'm like (laughs) we're we're just trying to help you know so i get that feeling and that brings up my eternal question that i always think about especially with the states i'm not sure about the uk but we have a candy bar. Mm-hmm. There's a stained glass window above the door that says candy bar, mm-hmm. in which we sell chocolate bars. But in the States, they call those candy bars. Yes. So in the States, do you say, I'm going to the candy bar to buy a candy bar? Or do they just say snack bar? Snack. Oh, maybe that's it. Do they call it a snack bar? Because, I mean, it's also like not just candy. Popcorn's not candy. No. I mean, I don't call it candy anyways. But Let's all go to the lobby to buy ourselves a snack? Yeah. Treat. <laughs> snack? <laughs> well, it's both are valid. But treat bar sounds terrible. How's this terrible. song go? I'm pretty sure it's treat. But yeah. then Mr. Burns says snack, I think. So that's... Uh, I wish... I was hankering the other day. I wish we could sell hot dogs. <laughs> we tried for a while. Of. We had a little machine. But, you know, if you're a multiplex and you're making 20 hot dogs a day and throwing most of them out, you're yeah. the multiplex. You got money to burn. Yeah. 
But that was our problem. Even very minimal. We would put on a couple of vegan dogs and a couple of hot dogs. And at the end of the day, there's like three left. And you're just kind of like, well, I can eat one again. Oh, God, I guess. yeah. You might get so sick of that. It's, it's that kid in the candy store, right? Like after day one, you're like, hey, I got a free hot dog at the end of my shift. And then after four or five days, you're like, ugh. I think that places like like a pizza shop where I'm like, I love pizza so much. But if I got pizza every day, yeah. even free, I would probably not love pizza as much. Yeah, if we had money to throw around, and you hate to be wasteful, but yeah, so we tried it a few years back. Was that before your time? Yeah, well, slightly God, before. Because so, yeah. I've seen the machine yeah. in the basement, I think, or whatever. And like, and I also heard, I imagine the smell probably doesn't leave you after a yeah. while. Like when you're, when you're, if you're just <laughs> at the candy bar all that time and you're like, okay, all right, this is a lot. I mean, it's not like it's the quickie mark. We keep things clean here and whatnot. Yeah, and... that's the thing. Like, <laughs> how long has that vegan dog been on there? Yeah. 17 days. And also with the vegan dog, was it a totally separate tray? I would imagine it had to be. Well, so what we did, and as a vegan, I gave my thumbs up to this, that it made sense is that it went from top to bottom Mm -hmm. and there was whatever, eight rows. So at the top two rows we would put a couple of vegan dogs mm-hmm. and they would spin in their little thing. And in the bottom, we put four meat dogs. Okay. So they would never touch. And I think that was good enough. Yeah, people walk in every once in a while and are like, oh, do you have hot dogs or nachos? Yeah. And they're like, no, we don't got any of that. Or they'll be like, do you still have hot dogs? As if yeah. they were just here last week. And, we ha- and you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, the fact that you think we still have them means you haven't been here in seven years, maybe six, seven years. Cause like, yeah, that's I, always good. Yeah, because we didn't have one I started and that was like five years ago. Gwen and I watched some stuff from this place called Dumb Industries, and <laughs> sure. they do podcasts and streaming events, and it's a lot of alum from Mystery Science Theater. So oh, it's, there it is. It's Frank Conniff and Trace Bellew, who are the mad scientists, and then Mary Jo Peel, who is one of the writers and performers. They just do kind of talk show things. They do riffing. They do stuff like that. But what I really like, I'm a sucker for this stuff, is before their event, they'll have half an hour of just old trailers Hmm. and commercials and they have stuff for the drive-in get snacks at the drive-in and i think a lot of it is when hamburgers were kind of a newish thing (laughs) and they're like get a delicious burger at the drive-in they had burgers and they had chili oh and can you imagine if we had chili (laughs) i can't even or or like pizza as well like i find that so funny the old when pizza was obviously a new yeah new to america probably at least yeah they're just like oh get this new pizza at the snack bar and it just looks horrific not good at all despite what they'd have you believe yeah and so yeah i think about that too imagine working this snack bar where you're like you're making pizza you're making hot dogs you're making burgers you're making nachos and popcorn and all the others that sounds horrific and there was one in the ad it had a different name but it's what Canadians call Sloppy Joes. Okay. And I think Americans call Manwitches, which is strange. Yeah, I mean, that's at least the title of the company name. Yeah. So maybe it's like an iPod where they just call it that now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you imagine on both sides of this coin (laughs) preparing Sloppy Joes at a drive-in in in the 50s and then receiving and eating that Sloppy Joe in your car at the drive-in in in the 50s? There's probably not a lot of health and safety board stuff going on. No, and let's be honest, like, it's probably just a hamburger bun from the hamburger <laughs> and chili from the chili and so yeah. this is not a finesse move that they're doing here well it is in another way they're totally finessing you out of thinking it's oh an elaborate new dish you're like no it's not but i keep meaning i don't know how well it would look blown up 4k but seeing if we could find some of these ads on youtube and just mm-hmm. randomly playing them because i think they're a lot of fun 
Well, yeah, and I, I know there are Blu-ray releases of more so trailer compilations, but I'm pretty sure they have both of those. And I had at some point or another something like that because i mean they did them on dvd first and like i know they have remastered i can't even remember what company it is now that does it but like six to eight hour trailer compilations they're great but i'm also like who's sitting down and watching <laughs> like that's not a one sitting thing that's got to be in the background of a party or something agfa put out some of those right during so. uh covid and junk yeah and so like i know they exist yeah i'm not sure if they have one that's just interstitials and like drive-in stuff i mean they must they have everything now Speaking of Agva, you and I both watched Rock 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 and Roll High School oh on God. Saturday night. It's so good, man. It's so good. I, I, I so already good. loved it, but watching it there, and I gotta say, like the first five minutes, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, is this gonna be cringe, so obvious humor that it's not even funny? But it is funny. It is airplane-esque at times. And I wore my Ramon shirt. My friend Mika wore her Ramon shirt. Yeah, I saw one of your friends had one, and I was like, oh, they're prepared. I don't have a Ramon shirt, otherwise I would have done it. And then my friend Ren, because he's funny, wore a Spinal Tap shirt because that's the closest <laughs> thing he had. But then I walked in and you were chatting with our super customer, Anne. Strangely enough, seemingly on the topic of a porn museum in New York City. Yeah, I didn't start it. It was because <laughs> cinema was after Rock and Roll High School. Oh, okay. So it, she, I don't know. Somehow it got to like Lee's Porn Quest, you know, where he'll sometimes, right. usually not, but sometimes play. And I was like, just to be clear, I was presenting it, but I was like, it's not porn. But she and Brad had a lovely story of Brad when he was in high school. I don't know how old, if he was 13 or 18, asked a girl to rock and roll high school and she shot him down. And he got sad and he didn't go see rock and roll high school and then missed seeing it on the big screen. And so had seen it in the years to pass. But this, 40 years later, was him seeing it on the big screen for the first time with Anne. But so it was just this lovely nerd story of being shot down in high school. And I'm like, that's good because you don't want to date a girl in high school who doesn't support your love of the Ramones. Well, yeah. And I, I didn't even hear that part of the story. Like, I think I was too caught up on the New York Porn Museum part of it. But still, yeah. And also I had like seemingly booted them from the couch because we both yeah, loved you the stole same, their seat. We <laughs> love the same couch. And I beat her there by a couple of minutes. But then I was like hanging back just because the credits were rolling for the other movies. So I was like, I'll just let it, you know, spill out. And then she kind of busted up and was like, no one's sitting here. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's just <laughs> and I was like, I'm not even sure how I didn't even I'm a nice guy. I would have let them have the couch. Yeah. But they're nice, too. So it was like a nice off. They let me have the couch and they were like, our name is on that table. And then I looked down and the table wasn't there. And then I was like, the table's not even here. And then it was over by a different couch. And there was a couple there that were about to leave. And they were like, oh, is this the table? And I was like, look, I'm not accusing anyone. <laughs> but I got them. And I was like, their name's on it. And so they looked and, and they were like, oh, hey, there it is. And so this is this weird Mayfair moment of all these people being like, oh, where's the table? I'm on the table. Everybody arm wrestling over who gets to not have the seat. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they got the same exact couch just on the right hand side instead of the left. Yeah, it was fine. But it was just a, yeah, it was a funny little moment. And, and I didn't actually realize who it was at first and then i was like oh god i'm like halfway through talking to him i was like oh yeah i know i've known you for literally years yeah (laughs) so yeah it was fun rock and roll high school the music's great the ramones are so (laughs) wonderfully terrible (laughs) i'm not an actor and i can do better than them every line was just just flat oh just amazing comedy's not evergreen especially high school comedy from back then so there was a couple moments in there that were a bit cringy Mm -hmm. but you're right some genuine great comedy so there's one thing, and I can't believe I've never noticed it before. See if you notice this weird plot hole. So Riff goes up and buys a thousand tickets, or a hundred tickets Sorry, for a thousand bucks. A hundred tickets for a thousand bucks. Never references where she got a thousand dollars. Yeah. Never takes money while she's reselling the tickets. Right. 
Well, not even reselling, just, just giving, giving them out. away. So you think there would be a plot point where she steals a thousand bucks from her parents, <laughs> or she's been saving up for all year long, or people are giving her ten bucks in the hall? That's what I thought we would see. Yeah, but they just how much for a hundred tickets? A thousand dollars. Here you go. Why a hundred? What number was it? like? There was no indication. That, is that every kid in the school, or is it just like, like yeah, why a hundred? It would have been that hard to in the lead up to that. Her say, oh, I got 10 bucks from 100 kids at school. <laughs> but that just, for some reason, that of all the dumb things in the movie went, where'd Riff get $1,000? And also the fact that the principal took away their two tickets. And then you're like, okay, so there's 98 other tickets. And so are all those 98 people going? Second of all, you can't find two people who are like, oh, it was so nice of you to give us those free tickets. And yeah. you can have them yeah. now because you literally did everything. And there's the part where she smokes pot. And then has a hallucination where the Ramones are in her bedroom. Yeah. And that's a little iffy when you're like, okay, she's like 16 or 17 and the Ramones, I don't know, 25 or something. Yeah. It wasn't. And also there was the groupie that followed them around, but we were like, so how old is she? Like, is she 21 or like, yeah. I, it's not really clear. I don't know. There was certainly what I guess you might call <laughs> plot holes yes. of this 1978, 79 movie that they just cranked out, you know, but that like, has six foot tall anthropomorphic mice creatures oh, in that's it. That's a great bit too. Like, that nobody blinks at. I forgot that Clint Howard was in it and he has such a good role. Yeah. Like one of his best roles, which is, you know, I mean, maybe and Dick not Miller. Yeah, obviously. And he has one of my favorite lines too, where it's like, <laughs> he's those so Ramones mean. are ugly, ugly people. <laughs> he's so mean to the Ramones. Yeah. And it was Paul Bartel, I think was the name I was trying to think of. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. He, he was just, I love that. Just him transitioning from being the like stuffy teacher to being a huge Ramones fan. And besides for the part where Riff tears his clothes off in, I think, the principal's office. That well, they were also kind of grinding, almost like they were like dancing and like. Yeah, that's a little like, weird. What's going? And my brother too was like, and he's a teacher. Not that that uh-huh. even matters, but he was like, this uh, feels a little weird to me. Can you imagine? There's nothing like that anymore because in the years after that, there was music videos. Mm-hmm. But I can't even think of a band that would do it today. Like, can you imagine a band? Making a movie like that, yeah, where it's essentially just like grown-ups are bad. Let's sing some songs and blow up the school. And blow up like, the school, at like the not end. to spoil, but I don't know. I mean, whatever. Like I'm sure there's some pop punk band out there now who would kind of do something like that. Well, they, the remake, our remake, has been in the works for a couple of years now. Oh yeah, and but they haven't. There haven't really been rumors about what band it would be. Someone said like I don't know, maybe Blink One Eighty Two, but even then, they're not. I don't Every know. band we list will make us sound like old men because I'd be like. Oh, that new band, Weezer? Or... Someone else said that, though. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not saying this, but some guy said this. That new band, The Foo Fighters? <laughs> like... Yeah, because, like, one, yeah, it's so hard from the lens of, you can't picture 1979 yeah. and the Ramones, because, like, how were they pictured that? Because that was right before they worked with Phil Spector, and they were trying to blow up as more of a pop band. Well, and you got to remember, the Ramones never had a top 10 hit, I yeah. think. Never had a number one album. So it's not like it was whoever the number one band at the time was. They were a Roger Corman-esque. They were at CBGB's playing for 100 people mm-hmm. while other bands... Or yeah, Somebody mentioned to me that Twisted Sister stuck their nose up and were like, well, we're more legendary than the Ramones because we were selling out a thousand seaters while they were selling out a hundred seaters. And I'm like, that's not how that works, Twisted Sister. No, and it's also <laughs> like, I couldn't name you 10 Twisted Sister songs, like, no. which is not to say anything bad about them. But yeah, like, I don't know what... Weezer's an interesting choice. They've stood the test of time and stuff, but like, what are you looking for in a band? Like, do you want a toughness or like cred yeah. of some kind or do you just want a recognizable band that can play catchy songs yeah 
No, it's tough. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they pull that off. And to do it, riding that wave of campy, laughing at yourself. It's hard to do Birdemic 2. It, yeah. it's, it's hard to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and I suppose like Studio 666 is like not quite that level. But I mean, in terms of a band that can yeah. have fun with something and still make an enjoyable movie, although not strictly a s- screwball comedy. Yeah, all the bands are, they're all old enough to be parents, right? Where yeah. the Ramones were 25 when they made the movie, so it's a bit Jeez. more... Although it's hard to tell, like, and I, yeah. and I always so find it funny the sex appeal of Joey Ramone that they're trying to, and he's just like this tall, gangly, weird-looking guy. And I say that as a tall, gangly, weird-looking guy. <laughs> yeah, but it's very hard for me to picture him being a sex symbol because he's so awkward and like a bad actor, an amazing singer. Like, I love the guy, I love the Ramones, but it just yeah. I find that somewhere they're like, oh, Joey's so dreamy, and he's like, uh, you know, yeah. just like. <laughs> Eating alfalfa sprouts and whatever, like... Okay, we're going to talk about Ramones for two more hours. Yeah. So let's actually talk about what is screening at the Mayfair the week of Friday, July 22nd. Bringing back Rock and Roll High School for a second big week. No, no. (laughs) So just go in order as they're screening. We have a couple of big shot foreign films. One called Marina which was a Cannes Film Fest Golden Camera Award winner. It is about a teenage girl replacing her controlling father with his wealthy foreign friend during a trip to the Adriatic Sea. I didn't know you could just do that. You just replace your dad with someone better. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what this movie's about. <laughs> that's all right. Is the Golden Camera like a best directing thing or is it just... I get them mixed up. I forget if Golden Camera is for cinematography. Okay. Cannes has so many awards, it's hard to keep them track. They're a golden blank award, basically. Yeah. They did something good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it either looks really good or has been directed well, but you'll find out. Yeah. Then the other new film this week is Both Sides of the Blade with oh, yeah. Juliette Binoche. It is a love triangle about a woman caught between two men, her longtime partner and his best friend. I react to these movies the same way people do horror films. I have such a hard time watching... A movie where somebody might be cheating on somebody yeah. or something. I get so stressed out. Yeah. I, I can't do it. I, can't. I, I saw the trailer twice in 24 hours because I was here, you know, oh, right. for, for yeah. the Western as well. And so I was like, well, first of all, I was like, oh, I've already seen this trailer. But anyway, but watching it, I was like confused at first because I thought she was broken up with the other guy and was like, oh, my love after 10 years. And right. I was like, oh, that's nice. And then she's with the other guy who's mad. And I was like, wait, oh, a no. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, it's a love triangle. I thought it was just one of those happy movies where they're like, hey, we're back together after all this time. You're acting in the perfect way, though, like edge of your seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it does look good. But I was like very confused midway through the trailer because I was like, what's the problem? Who's this jerk? And if anyone is happening to look this movie up online just to find a trailer or something like that, it's super confusing because as we speak on IMDb, the movie is called Fire. Oh. But on our website, the poster we made use of and the print that we have is Both Sides of the Blade. Which is a cooler title, I'm going to say. Yeah, so I don't know if it was an 11th hour decision or if they were like, "Uh, North America doesn't like fire. We're going to change the title. I don't know. That's really weird. But I I typed it in and I couldn't find it. I'm like, why can't I find anything about this award-winning Juliette Binoche movie? (laughs) And then I was like, oh, maybe it's the French title. Nope. And then I just cross-referenced the director and then found fire. And then it was like, oh. oh... That's it there. So fire or both sides of the blade is what we are screening starting next week. (laughs) But then also over there, it's not called pho, I'm assuming. No. So like, what the hell? Anyway, I wonder if the movie has something to do with 
fire. Yeah, we don't from the trailer we're not clear on that, but you yeah. know. And the movie itself is fire in the sense that it's a great film. So I mean, you want to see that, but Oh, see so you're young and hip. You're using the <laughs> so I'm not turning 40 at all. We can cast Rock and Roll High School. Oh, uh, jeez. So then after that, speaking of Agfa, We've been booking a lot of films from them, and the reason is because they've gone purely digital. Basically, torrent is a dirty word, deservedly, because people use it to steal things, and then artists and comic book pros and writers go, please don't steal my stuff. I need to pay my rent. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) But using that technology, what it was meant for is stuff like this, a distributor sending a theater in another country far away, a movie. So we download it. It takes forever because it's enormous. And then now, instead of having to send like money orders and stuff, all that's fake digital money too. So it's getting easier and easier to interact with these indie distributors. And we love Agfa. Look up Agfa. Everything they have is amazing. Uh, So we're playing Tetsuo the Iron Man. Oh my God. Talk about obscure, weird movies. This, I have not seen. I will see this on this run. It's got comparisons to everything from... Sam Raimi to David Lynch yeah, to yeah. anime films. It's live action. It's cyberpunk. It was made in the late 80s, so right in that kind of cyberpunk era. And it's black and white? Black and white. Yeah, I thought so. I think which gets its Eraserhead comparisons. Mm-hmm. And talk about movies that I like because they're short. It's 67 minutes. Come on. But in the reviews you read, you're like, you would not want it to be any longer <laughs> than 67 minutes because it's 67 minutes of... Body horror. Full tilt boogie. Yeah, yeah like just... Live action anime and robots and fast and violence and action and craziness. But really good reviews in this kind of legendary yeah. midnight movie. Yeah, and there's, I think it's a trilogy as well. Like, there's at least three of them, all told. But Oh, like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, pretty sure. I'll look like a, if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> I have been wrong before and called out. For, I, I, was, I, was, I have to say, as a side note, I was wrong. I referenced Gregory Hines being oh, an no. enemy mine a last podcast. Yeah. And one of our listeners called me out and it was actually Louis Gossett Jr., not Gregory oh. Hines. However... I was thinking of Eve of Destruction with Gregory Hines, where he's chasing a cyborg, not where he's chasing an alien. It's so, so complicated. So it's not that I'm just an idiot. It's That's only half of the battles. <laughs> I just had to clear that up. The biggest dumb thing we did a couple weeks ago, and then I happened to see it on or hear it on a podcast or something, and I just went, oh, no. <laughs> we both said, I think it was my fault, said X Machina. Okay. It's X Machina. Technically, but I mean, it's also like, it's one of those things that's been misspoken so many times yeah. for so many years that it's kind of accepted. I just felt lowbrow. <laughs> I just, well, I, you know, I feel weird about that because I think that's one of those ones like, you know, when you're a stubborn kid and you do this for 30 years and then someone tells you the truth right, and you're just like, right. screw that. I've, I've been saying this for so long and I'm, you know, maybe I'm turning 40, maybe not. I'm not <laughs> changing now. You know, it's too late. I said Jeffrey Coombs. Oh, really? For the longest time. And I did it for a reason. Like, I saw an interview back in the day or some behind-the-scenes thing on a DVD, and somebody said Jeffrey Coombs. And it got in my head of, oh, that looks like Combs, but last names are weird. That could be some weird pronunciation. Yeah. And then lately, I've heard a few podcasts, and it was like, Combs, 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 Combs. Okay, so I've just been saying the dude's name wrong for 30 years. That sounds like when a kid at camp told me that it was Eddie Brooke, not Eddie Brock. Oh. And I was like, okay, I'm looking. I was like, well, it's spelled Brock, but okay, I guess this kid seems to know. And he also said that the other symbiote was, uh, he might have said symbiote also, but anyway. But he called it Carnage. Carnage. And so, like, you know, eventually I got corrected not too long later. But I just remember, like, he was so sure of himself. Eddie Brooke. And I'm like... Screw you, kid. You don't know what you're talking about. Carnage. You lied to me. Terrible. Then we have, continuing our track of presenting as many 40th anniversary (laughs) movies as we can, 
It's the 40th anniversary of Creepshow. Oh, my God. This is insane. That's literally my favorite horror movie, and I had no idea what you were going to say. Oh. I was reeling from Tetsuo, which uh, I did not expect (laughs) you to say. And now you're saying... And I keep thinking you're going to say E.T., because like that's when I think yeah. 1982. For some reason, I th- well, I think Creepshow and ET. Those are the only two movies that came out in 1982. But I think ET has a shot at coming to our screen. I'm sure the thing will play before the end of the mm. year. I wish we could play Tron. Yes. Oh, I wish we could play Tron, but we can't because Disney are mean. Yeah. And next <laughs> next year, Return of the Jedi will not be Yay. playing. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot about Creepshow because I've been plowing through. Eli Roth's podcast, okay, which isn't really a podcast. It's basically they will interview somebody for an hour for his TV show okay, and then pull out bits. So this podcast is the unedited conversation, and it's still very interesting. The podcast has had everybody from Quentin Tarantino, Nancy Allen. Mick Garris? No, not yet, I don't think. They gotta get him. They gotta. Uh, But like Meatloaf was on an episode. (laughs) All right. But they had Joe Hill on. Okay. And Joe Hill was a kid on the set of Creepshow. He's like the kid reading the comic. Yeah, he's the bookend kid, basically. So he told that story, and then Stephen King told the story of being in Creepshow and mm. doing all that. And then who else told Tom Savini? Yeah. And Greg Nicotero was like an intern on Creepshow, because if you lived in Pittsburgh, you could just be <laughs> in George Romero movies back then. Yeah, because yeah, he had his guerrilla crew, pretty much, that was like yeah. a little bigger on certain movies, but usually it was just like his tight crew of, that wasn't Sharper Image, or I can't remember the name of the company, but he had his, like, his company back at the time. And it was like Greg Nicotero's uncle was just a semi-professional actor, so was in a bunch of Romero movies, just in one or two line roles. So that was his introduction, and then now cut to 40 years later, and he's producing and directing the Creepshow TV series, so... Yeah, and it's funny that and Joe Hill's book was just adapted into the Black Phone. Which, oh yeah, which was yeah. just a huge hit. Which is pretty shocking because it was a non sequel, non remake, non whatever. Like for an original horror, that was pretty surprising how well it did. How long did Joe Hill make it before somebody went, "Wait a minute, you're Stephen <laughs> King's kid"? Because I know he did that for that reason. He wanted yeah. to kind of prove himself. There's still a lot of people that still don't know. That's the wild thing. Oh like, yeah, I, I think. People who look for more than one minute online can figure it out. Right, right, right. But it's funny, like, just for the vast majority of people, it's and especially now that he's got this hit movie under him. He's big, yeah. I've never read any of his stuff. I've been hearing for years that he's a really good writer. Well, I read Lock and Key. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Emily watched that show. And I haven't watched the show yet. But, so anyway, yeah, Creep Show. I love comic books of that era. Yeah. The EC stuff, the horror stuff. This is just a very loyal tip of the hat to that mm-hmm. kind of thing with the interstitials and animation. Yeah. And one of the posters just looks like a comic book cover. You know, I wish there was more. I love anthologies and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and the second one I love too. Like, it's, you know, not at the same level, but, you know, I've always enjoyed it. And Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, was kind of considered to be the real Creepshow 3 because it was the same cast. Or not cast, but the same Was it crew. just they lost the right to the title or something? It was something weird like that. It's just a weird thing behind the scene but it was just kind of a like wink wink you know this is the actual creep show three you know don't watch the thing called creep show three which is not yeah. <laughs> nearly as good i could go on for hours like the creep show like the soundtrack i've got the lp i've got three framed different posters like i mean this movie is huge to me and just the cast oh god it's just a, it's a perfect movie it's two hours or a little bit more but it doesn't feel over long to me yeah, because it's like five shorts. Yeah, so it's just like, I mean, it's not for everyone, obviously. It's, you know, some of them are a little gross and stuff, but just it has a great tongue-in-cheek feel to it. And just it's such a blast. And I have seen it on the big screen here 
possibly twice even. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, like if you've never seen it on the big screen, I mean, it's, it was the five year anniversary of George Romero's death oh, yeah. on Saturday night. I shouted it out during the cinema intro, actually. Cool. It was the last thing I said. And I was like, I don't want to end on a downer here, but just want to, <laughs> you know, I'd feel bad if I didn't shout it out. So, I mean, I can't believe it's been five years. This is my favorite Romero movie for sure, which is saying a lot because, oh my God, what a guy. And then finally this week, continuing our Western festival, we have the original 310 to Yuma. I've seen the remake. I've not seen the original. I really like the remake. And I don't, I'm curious because I have a number of examples where I like the thing remake better. I like 310 to Yuma. I like uh, Child's Play. Child's Play. God, I really <laughs> like the Child's Play. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about that one no. too much in public, just in case. Uh, True Grit. I really like the Coen yeah. Brothers one. Yeah, that was a good one, too. And uh, it's funny, like, you talking to my dad about 310 to Yuma, yeah. where you're like, oh, I've seen the remake. And he's like, I will never watch the remake. <laughs> not approve. Like, it has great reviews. He's just, uh, he's a curmudgeon, you know? So I'd be like, it. I like James Mangold. He's a good director. You can go to hell. Yeah. He's like, oh, man. And he's putting out the new Indiana Jones, yeah. which I'm sure my dad will never watch. <laughs> never watch. That guy directed 310 to Yuma. Yeah. What a run Mangold's having, though. Yeah. I, I, you know, you don't better against Mangold at this point. Mangold, I think, is one of those filmmakers where, you know, not all of his movies are five out of five, but I don't think he's done a movie that I was like, oh, didn't like it. No, I didn't see The Wolverine, but... I really liked The Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> I heard mostly good things, but just Logan kind of overshadowed it because of how great that yeah, was. But yeah, yeah, You bet on Mangold. And 310 to Yuma, I noticed, has the actor from Shane in it because I just Ooh. watched Shane. The guy played the dad in Shane. Okay, yeah. He is the good guy in 310 to Yuma who has to hang huh. out with the bad guy. That's funny. Yeah, and yeah. Shane was... You, you watched... I just watched Shane, Last yeah. night, yeah. Yeah. Man, that barroom brawl was hilarious. It was, went on forever. Like Ever. He's just beating up these guys, one versus eight. Or well, and it's it one of those movies, too, where it's two hours long. Yeah. To me, it felt like two hours long because it's just that era. Instead of being like, we're getting on a horse, cut. It's like, we're getting on a horse. And then there's seven minutes of them on the horse with big music playing. Yeah. And that was just kind of the era. They liked watching the world go by. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot it was two hours until I was on the way to the theater. Then I was like, okay. But yeah. My mom hung out with my brother and my wife, and I took my dad. So everybody got, everybody was happy, you know? But yeah. I, I found the little kid to be a little annoying at times, but that's my only complaint, really. I was going to say, I, I can criticize it because we're not screening it anymore. So don't got to worry about tricking everybody to go see it. But yeah. it was good. And I'm always glad to see movies like that on the big screen. It didn't help that I saw it after high noon right which was so good which is so good and so different whereas shane is pretty traditional small town in trouble mystery man comes to town bad guys the end yeah you know it's very abcd and especially that i was kind of raised on the clint eastwood stuff mm -hmm. which is very down and dirty and anti-hero sometimes I watch the old westerns and i'm like Ah, this is very vanilla. Yeah, well, and apparently my dad had showed it to my older brother and sister when they were kids with no preamble about what it meant to him, anything like that. And they watched it and thought it was the worst movie. Oh, no. And to this day, my brother, who is now 50 plus, right. I, I guess he messaged them and was like, oh, going to see Shane this weekend. And my brother was like, why would I waste my time on the <laughs> worst movie I've ever seen? And I'm like, oh, man, 2022, you still think Shane is the worst <laughs> movie you've ever seen? But then again, I forget. I watch hundreds of bad movies, so I'm <laughs> yeah. like... But still, I'm like, there is no way that's the worst movie you've ever seen. He hasn't seen any of those Transformers. Oh, God. Yeah, it goes on. I could name a thousand movies worse. The point is, everyone had fun, and it's over, and... And I, and I love screening these, these old movies. It's just a nice little bit of time travel to get to see them, and in such good shape. Oh, they're just beautiful. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so 310 to Yuma, 
and then Liberty Valance. Yeah. And that'll which, wrap things up. That one's awesome. And I've watched the trailer like three or four times right, now because yeah. I've been here and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so yeah, come out two more big ones and then uh, maybe the Cage Fest after. Who knows? Lee said he's working on something, so I'm sure it's a Cage uh, Fest. It's a, yeah, whenever he <laughs> says that, it's definitely Cage. Okay, so let's wrap things up. We went on a bit longer than normal just because we were gushing about yeah. rock and roll high school. Well, and then so you much. said creep shows, like as oh, if you're yeah. going to say that and I won't talk. But I'm hungry. I want to eat some lunch. Oh, yeah, it's happening. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find out up to date information at MayfairTheater.ca and on all the social medias. And we look forward to having you in the cinema soon to watch some awesome movies on the big screen in our air conditioned theater during the summer. Yeah, we need that. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Two days till our big interview with that guy from Hawaii. We're going to Hawaii. Yeah, and then we can talk about it later and look like heroes. Coming soon. Jolting tales of horror. Creep show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creep show will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep show, the most fun you'll ever have. Being scared.